Welcome to the Prodigy Maker Show with Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally recognized high-performance coach, educator, and author of two best-selling books, The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. Tune in weekly as Chris answers questions live from around the world and discusses topics in junior development, technical and tactical training, Spanish tennis methods, and philosophies, and more. The Prodigy Maker Show is primarily focused on high-performance junior training and how to help children maximize their potential. The program features intelligent insight from Chris and debate from leaders in the high-performance industry. The show can be watched live on Chris's Facebook profile, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. Hey, what's up, guys? Chris here. Prodigy Maker Show, episode 29. We are live Thursday night. It's a late night show. I'm sorry for going on late for those of you who are tuning in live, but I was working late on court and I had some late lessons, so we're getting the show on now, closer to 10 o'clock. Normally we go around 9.45, but whatever. doesn't matter the time. We're going to talk some tennis tonight. As always, the show will be about high-performance junior development. Tonight I want to talk about Tony Nadal. I want to get into the mind of Tony Nadal. I've got to get warmed up here. I've got to put on my Spanish glasses, my Spanish headset, and start thinking in the Spanish way, but specifically the the brand of tennis, the system, the method of Tony Nadal. I've got to get into Tony Nadal's brain, get that mind meld going, and try to share with you my thoughts about his system and his approach to the game, which I find really interesting. And I think as I get more into it, I'll get heated up and I'll, I'll get excited to to share with you what I've been learning uh, from Tony. I've been taking, well, I've been studying Tony's method for a long time, but he's notorious for being very secretive. So in the past two years, he came out with a new online a bunch of online courses actually for coaches and parents. So I'd like to sort of talk about some of those courses and some of his philosophy, the drills that he uses and his approach. And, you know, really was for the first time that Tony started sharing his knowledge. He spent a couple decades or so on tour with Raphael and he garnered this incredible experience traveling with arguably one of the greatest players of all time. I think Rafael Nadal will, will probably go down in the history books as one of the greatest players ever. And so Tony has this amazing, experience, all these experiences to share where he took this kid, his nephew, as a little boy in Mallorca, on the island of Mallorca, off the coast of Spain, raised him up to be this incredible champion. So I just would like to sort of get into all of it, you know, the way the way he did it and his philosophy in training Raphael and the drills that he used and and also touch on some of the character building aspect because I think for Tony building character is paramount. And it's a really important part of his philosophy. So I would like to also sort of get into uh, at least some parts of Tony's character building approach. 
uh, his method for doing that as well. It's really, really kind of interesting thing and, and a and unique take on character. And I think it's important, not just for tennis players, but probably to develop better human beings in the world. I, I think, and I'll get into it a little later, but I think that the, the approach that Tony takes, his, his philosophy would be a good model probably for the entire world to follow. And we would have better citizens and a better world if we followed Uncle Tony, right? So uh, Sammy is not here tonight. Sammy, you want to say hello? No. I think Sammy's going to take a nap. Let me check really quick. You want to say hello? Or you're good? Go night-night. All right, he's hopeless. He's not helping. Yeah, go. Go night-night there. If he pees on the couch, I'm going to be really upset, guys. Okay, let's... uh, Say a little prayer if you believe in God that Sammy will not pee on my couch. And let's get this show rocking. If you have any questions, guys, on Spanish tennis, I know it's a late night, but if there are any Spanish fanatics out there like me who want to learn more about Tony Nadal or his method or just Spanish tennis in general, training questions, drills, I did write the book on Spanish tennis, The Secrets of Spanish Tennis, and if I might say so, it's a great read, and if you're interested in Spanish tennis, I highly recommend it, and I also have an online school that is like the like a Spanish academy online, where I'm trying to build it that way, and we have a number of courses online where you can learn about Spanish-type uh, training, uh, a Spanish approach to building the forehand or, or footwork and there are a number of classes that we're producing for the online school that are heavily based on on the Spanish model, you know, have a lot of Spanish influences. You know, in Spain, and this is one of the one area I'd like to talk about as much as I, I can with with you know the hour or so that we have is talk about the different strains of Spanish uh, Spanish tr- training. Does that rhyme? The strains of Spanish training. And there, so there's a number of lineages in Spain. You have the Pato Alvarez lineage, which connects to Emilio Sanchez and Sergio Casal, and they have a very famous academy in Barcelona. And you have the Bruguera lineage or strain or they're almost, those two are clans. They are basically clans. And then uh, their families, or their families with a similar approach to building players. And those two, Bruguera clan, Bruguera lineage, very much like, it reminds me of religion, religious uh, strand, you know, religious uh, lineages, like gurus and their followers, and then their followers of followers, and the generations go on like that. Well, in Spain, they have these lineages in the same way. And you have the Bruguera clan, and you have the, the Pato Alvarez uh, family of coaches who, who believe in his method. And you have the Nadal clan. You have the Nadal lineage in Mallorca, which is an island not far from Barcelona, uh, also part of Catalonia, the Catalonia, uh, Catalonian uh, part of, the, of, of Spain. And so in, in Catalonia itself, you have these three main branches of uh, methodology, philosophy on, 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 on training, developing players. 
And what fascinates me the most, having spent so much time in Spain, are the, the comparison and contrast between those three primary strands, those three primary branches. And that's what I spend most of my research time when I'm reading online or I'm reading books or, or doing research for articles and, and another, I have, I'm working on some, some new books coming out in the next year or two. It's been maybe, I've had to put a slowdown on my production schedule because we have a new baby. We got Baby Ocean. And so I, I, as I told you guys on the previous show, I've been kind of stuck the last six weeks. We have a brand new baby. So it's my fourth, my fourth kid. So we got a full house here and I've been stuck in the house a lot, baby, basically babysitting, taking care of my little one. She's beautiful. I love, I love doing that. But I'll tell you f- funny stories. I usually take her on long walks, which allow me to listen to podcasts and get some, some education. But today, for example, I, was, I took a long walk with, with my daughter and I, I put her in a wrap on my chest. So I have my baby on my chest and I'm li- either listening to a podcast every day. If you want to know what my daily life is like, I'm listening to a podcast and walking like crazy up hills or even inside in, we have a four story house. So I'm walking stairs in my house and I'm listening to a, a pod, you know, I listen to a lot of different tennis podcasts to stay on the pulse, in touch with the pulse of the tennis industry. And today I was listening and watching some of the online video course of Tony Nadal, which I, I've been studying voraciously uh, in the past, really the past year, year and a half. I went through all, all of the courses that Tony offers. I believe there's one course I haven't done yet, but I, I'll, I'll tell you what they are. So there's a, there's a mentor course which is the basic beginner course for for parents, but I think it's so valuable for coaches. I think coaches would really enjoy that. And then there's the intermediate course and an advanced class, uh, a course of classes. So there's three main Tony Nadal programs that he offers. And I think there's one more that is uh, like a, wi- a wisdom a wisdom course that I haven't signed up for because I think it, it, it is redundant with the, the mentor course, but I have to check on that. But anyway, so there's three or four different courses and it's just been incredible for me. I mentioned it on the previous show that taking these courses online has been a tremendous learning experience for me and made a big difference in my coaching in the last year or two, in my philosophy. And especially this year, I'm going back through all of the coursework it's a tremendous volume of work it's up to 36 classes within each course and the videos with tony are between 15 minutes to 30 minutes long sometimes a little longer so it's a tremendous amount of material that tony put into the online courses and it's kind of what i expected i expected that Anything from Tony is going to be high quality, and he's going to do it very seriously. He's going to engage himself very well, and that is part of his philosophy, that you need to engage yourself in everything that you do and put your heart and soul into all the work uh, in front of you. Every moment, every skill that, you, that you're learning, he, he says to, to engage yourself and to, be, to do it to the best of your ability. And so it's no surprise to me that the courses that Tony offers online to coaches and parents and players are very, very high quality. They're very well produced. 
and they go into a lot of depth and they cover a lot of breadth as well of different topics within his method. So I'm extremely impressed with the courses and I'm not getting any remuneration from, by saying that. I just want to let you guys know that I'm not, uh, I don't have any referral or arrangement with, with the Nadal courses. I just honestly just wanted to review them. I haven't seen any reviews online from anyone and I wanted to talk about you know some of the philosophy in the courses and the method itself and 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 how good these courses are I think it's possible that I'm biased or j or I don't want to say jaded not jaded I, I I'm it's possible that I'm biased because of all the years I spent in Spain the courses mean a lot to me personally because I can see a lot of interconnections between other lineages in Spain and I can compare and contrast Tony's approach with other great coaches in Spain like Pato Alvarez or Luis Bruguera or, or there, there are many others as well whom I've studied with so for me it's it's just an amazing opportunity to learn a system from Tony and Tony's approach to developing players because before he was so secretive, he, he didn't share anything when he was on tour with Rafa, probably for good reason. He didn't want people to know what he was doing uh, with Rafa. He didn't want to reveal any, any secrets that might give Rafa's opponents an edge. But now it seems that he has settled down in Mallorca. He's involved with the academy. And I'm not sure what the impetus was for developing the courses. I think he wanted... He wanted to share his, his incredible knowledge and experience from traveling for so many years on tour. And I think there was a bona fide, a sincere, you know, he was very, I think he was very sincere that, uh, about sharing this, uh, this, this knowledge of his very uh, incredible, unique experience that he had, uh, raising up uh, one of the greatest players of all time from a young age. Not many people on the planet can say that they've done that or had the experience of doing that. It's very rare to take a kid from a very young age and develop them into a grand, uh, multiple grand slam, or I think 19 grand slams. Now, I don't know anyone who's done that, that I, off the top of my head. Maybe the only, the only person close might be Richard, Richard Williams, perhaps, or... I don't know if I can think of anyone else because even someone like Boletari, who is famous for developing so many top players, didn't didn't take them from uh, under you know under ten. I know that Rafa started with Tony uh, when he was younger than that. So very unique uh, perspective that Tony had of a young athlete growing up and then becoming a world class junior and. And, uh, and then eventually a tremendous professional player, one of the greatest players of all time. Really fascinating, fascinating journey. Imagine being in Tony's shoes and uh, experiencing those years, year after year. M must have been an amazing experience for him just as a coach. I get the sense that Tony, you know, he wasn't a very good player. And you can see in the videos, that's one thing. He, he can't play very well. He doesn't have really very good technique either. So you get a lot of inside, you get an inside look at, at Tony uh, working on the court, which is 
unusual, especially with different levels of players. You see him working with young players, under 10, like total beginners. So in the mentor course, he's working with very young players. You see him working with intermediates and then advanced players. So he seems a lot more comfortable with the advanced players, if, if I might you know, try to give you the, the straight dope here, like straight my perception as a high-performance coach, as a the junior developer is, you know, what I read from watching Tony work is he looks a lot more comfortable with the advanced juniors. He looks a little more unsteady with the, the youngest ones, the kids who are not well-formed. And, you know, he's kind of a, he has an interesting court presence. He's very serious, very tough. But he has, uh, you know, occasional moments of, of great sense of humor. And, but you can feel that his energy and intensity when he's on the court working with players. I think that's an important, that's something that he talks about. He talks a lot about that the coach has to have a strong court presence and the coach has to be very demanding. He's a big believer that coaches need to demand a lot. Parents too. He believes parents should be very demanding of their players. And he believes in the, the body language of a coach. He believes it's very important for the coach to be energized and strong and to be involved with the player, to be an inspiration and a motivation for a player. So you see that he demonstrates that himself working with his students. The, the courses are really interesting in that they're filmed at the Nadal Academy. I've been there. I've actually I've watched Tony work live at the Nadal Academy, and I've also interviewed him for an article for a tennis magazine that I wrote. So I, I do have some firsthand experience with Tony as well, but not to the extent that I, not, I never had access to him the way he gives access in these courses online. Incredible that he gives uh, all, uh, so much information and, and time. He, he lets the cameras in to, to see him working with uh, different groups and levels of players, which is just incredible. The other thing that's really amazing about the courses is they're all translated. That's the thing. They are, it, it must have been a painstaking job. So, because the, the, the courses are all in Spanish, right? And somebody had, the company that produced them, they had to hire a translator to translate the courses and they're, they're in multiple translations. So you can, you can have the, the classes translated into English which helped me a lot because my Spanish is not very good. And actually, my Spanish is becoming better by listening to the classes all the time. The last year or two, I've been studying these classes uh, uh, regularly, and I think it's actually helping my Spanish, although my Spanish may be very much influenced by, uh, you know, Tony's language and his sort of his accent and things like that, which is fine, I guess. If you're going to... Uh, mimic the, the, the language of someone from Spain, I, I guess the good choice would be Tony Nadal. So the, you know, the course is helping me with my Spanish and also helping me a lot, of course, with the, the coaching side of things. So where, where, where was I? The, okay, these, these classes are just amazing that he took the time to produce this much material. So, you know, I don't like the word content, but in terms of video content, it, it's just hours and hours of time that he dedicated, you know, 36 classes, just do the math, 36 classes per course, 
half an hour, 15 minutes to half an hour or more per class, three or four courses. It's a lot of material. He, he must have prepared a lot. You can tell that everything is well organized in the courses and he put a lot of time and thought into sharing his method. You can, you can see that he was very sincere and earnest about sharing his philosophy and his approach to training players. And I, I appreciate that because there are many online courses that are, you know, just not that good, not that well organized, and they, they don't have, you, you feel that they were not done uh, very professionally. So this course, these courses are extremely professional, and you can tell that, you know, Tony's a guy who is busy, who's got being pulled a lot of different directions from folks, and that the fact that he was willing to do this and, and, and make all these videos, uh, take the time to bring the cameras in to watch him work on court, to share his, he calls them tips or consejos. He, so he has a, the way the courses are done is he basically has, uh, the, in each class, he, he goes through a lesson, you know, a lesson that he might do with a group of players at that, at that appropriate level. And, and then at the end, he has uh, a time where, that he gives tips or counsel or advice. And those are, I think, I, I found the most interesting of all the, the parts of the, of the course where he gives his, he, he kind of shares his wisdom about junior development or about strategy or about uh, parenting or psychology. It's really fascinating. And I think at some point in the future, I'm just going to collect or maybe write an article or share more about just the, the wisdom parts of his classes. So it's, it's interesting to learn the drills and the exercises and, you know, how he interacts with players and builds players. But at the same time, the, the wisdom, the theory, the philosophy part of the class, it's not necessarily broken down. Uh, easily, you have to you have to watch all of the videos and, and get to the end to listen to the wisdom part. But I think those wisdom parts of the classes are incredible, amazing. There's a tremendous amount of of experience and knowledge that he shares. But they're they're at they're at the the conclusion of each video. So you've got to go through each one sort of laboriously and watch all of the the drills. Which some are good, some maybe are not uh, so great. Uh, we could talk about that if you guys are interested in some of the drills that Tony uses. And you have to get to the end of each class to sort of get this dose of wisdom from Tony. And, and the, that, I think, is incredibly valuable for, for parents and for coaches and eventually for, for players. Obviously, players would benefit from that as well. Guys, I see a lot of waves. Um, some old friends tuning in and some new friends. Thank you so much for supporting the program. I apologize for getting on late. Uh, if you do have any uh, questions, please let me know. We are talking Spanish tennis. We're talking Tony Nadal. We are going to talk a little bit about uh, the serve later because I have a mailbox question on how to build the serve and some kick serve drills for kids under 10. So um, I had a, a friend from India who's a fan of the show, and he sent me some questions about how to build uh, serve and, and some, what exercises to use for U10. So I'm going to try to describe those and maybe link to some resources for that later. But, you know, we're talking junior tennis. We always talk junior tennis development. 
Let me know if you have any technical questions or any questions about junior development. And, you know, the main topic of the show tonight is Spanish tennis. Thank you guys for all the waves. Episode 29 of Project Maker Show. And, yeah, we're doing it. 29 episodes and going strong. Got lots of new show ideas on tap. And we get... um, a lot of requests for different topics, and the audience of the show is steadily growing. So I thank you all for that. I appreciate you supporting the program. So Tony, Tony Nadal, how do I get into this guy's brain? This guy, can you imagine, let me just talk about what it must have been like when, let's say you're a club coach, and you're coaching some good juniors, and you have a chance to work with the young Rafael Nadal. Imagine the luck, just the sheer luck. It's kind of like hitting a lot, the lottery, right? It's kind of like getting the, the Mega Millions lottery ticket and your brother's son, it's your brother's son, so it's, it's someone in your family, and you make a deal with, with the dad that you'll be in charge of the kid's training. So that's kind of what Tony did, you know, if, if you read Raphael's autobiography, great autobiography, by the way, Rafa, you know, Tony somehow sidled in there and he was able to take over all of Rafa's training at a, at a young age. I don't know, I don't remember exactly the age, but under 10. And it turns out that the kid that you're training is one of the greatest athletes of all time. What are the chances? You know, what luck. Incredible for, for Tony. And you get the sense from watching Tony on, on video, just, you know, me getting to know him uh, uh, also from the time I spent interviewing him, that he really wanted to be, I think, famous. You know, I, I think he, this is my opinion, my, my interpretation, but I, you get the sense that he really wanted to, to be a famous coach, a, a guru, uh, and he's a philosopher of the game. You know, he he has a gravitas to him. He he speaks with great authority, and he speaks like a guru, like a philosopher does. He makes broad generalizations about life and tennis, and he's very good at extrapolating thematic elements from specific stories and and training experiences and I think that's one of his strengths he he has a great mind a great philosopher's mind and he has a high intelligence you can tell he's quite bright and so I can imagine when he was a just a club coach you know he wasn't a professional tennis player he was a I think a pretty good soccer player and he was working at a club in Mallorca and he was probably thinking to himself, like most young coaches do, is where am I going to find my champion? You know, where am I going to find a player who can take me to the top of the world and become so I can become famous or well-known or, or, or I can get the respect that I deserve? And he did it. You know, he did it, and he did it in the most fantastic fabulous way this this player that he found his nephew not only became a a great player but one of the best of all time 19 
Grand Slams now, if I'm not mistaken. How many Roland Garros? Eleven? At least. It, it, I mean, it's, in, it's an incredible accomplishment. So, it, it's basically every high-performance junior coach's dream. It's a dream that, I'll admit it, I've, I've had that dream to, to, to have a chance to work with the Grand Slam player. Forget one of the greatest players of all time. How about just a Grand Slam player, right? Incredible experience, incredible um, moment in time where he was able to, to find this young kid and, and, help develop, and help develop him into such a great champion. I know that most high-performance coaches, people that are in the, the junior development community, we all dream of that. We all dream of, of having that experience, of finding the, the golden ticket you know, the, the, uh, the hitching your wagon to a, a superstar. And we all have that experience on certain levels. You know, I've had a lot of good players who I've developed, uh, top 10 players in the U.S., which is pretty good, you know, to have a, a junior who is one of the best in the country. I've, had, I've coached dozens and dozens of, of top nationally ranked kids, but never have I met someone yet who achieved as much as someone like Rafael Nadal. And most coaches, even the greatest coaches, uh, some of the greatest coaches in the world can't claim anything close to what Rafa and Tony did together. It, it's maybe one, once in, a, in, in more than one generation this, this can happen, a, a great player like that. And, and so it just, it's, it's quite remarkable that, that, he, was, that he has this, uh, this story and, and he's willing to share it now. And so I think it's, it's really interesting from that perspective. Like I mentioned before, I don't know if everyone's going to enjoy uh, the courses the way I, I, I have or the way I'm enjoying them now because uh, I, I have this unique background vis-a-vis -vis Spain. But I think there's a lot of value and, and I will be sharing more and more writing and, and doing more, more videos. I think in, in a future podcast and show, we will talk about uh, more about the intermediate training course and the advanced training course, just to sort of give you a taste of what Tony's method is for those levels as well. Tonight, I'm focusing a little more on philosophy, a, a basic philosophy of Tony and and his fundamentals approach, in, particularly in the mentor course. He calls it the mentor course, which is the first course for beginners. But we can talk a little bit about it, the intermediate course as well. And then I think in another podcast and show, I will um, save... It's, gonna, it's a lot to cover, so I will try to sort of break up some of his method into parts and share them on future, future shows, if that makes sense to you guys. Uh, this show, let's, I will try to share more about the mentor course and maybe a little bit about the intermediate course and just sort of get into the mind of Tony, sort of introduce you guys to what he's all about and his core philosophy and things like that. All right, so mentor course, beginning level, the beginning level for Tony. Interesting that you see a coach who has a few core beliefs. So the number one, number one with, with a big exclamation point for Tony is the accompaniment of the ball. And he's obsessed with this idea of meeting the ball with a, a good relationship with the body 
and extending through the impact. And he calls that the accompaniment. And he says, it's really important to accompany the ball well. So that way the ball comes inside the strings of the racket. So imagine that impact, the ball decomposing. If you ever seen a high-speed video of a ball hitting the strings of a racket, uh, and and the the ball usually collapses. It's 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 uh, it collapses into the strings, and then it gets sent out on a, on a rebound. And so that that's kind of what Tony's talking about with the accompaniment. He says it's very important to let the ball inside the strings of the racket, and then to to send the ball out with a long extension, and. Reminds me very much of the philosophy of Luis Bruguera. Luis Bruguera is a little older than Tony. He trained his son, Sergi Bruguera, to win the Roland Garros two times in 1993 and 1994. And I see a lot of similarities between the Bruguera method and the Tony Nadal method. And that's, that's, sort of, that's something that I find fascinating. I don't know if it's too... I don't know if it's too esoteric for you guys or or if it's like like something that the average person in tennis has no interest in, but I find it very, very interesting with, with my personal background traveling and studying in Spain. And I, I spent so many years with Luis Bruguera and learning his method. So to see the similarities between the Nadal system, the, the core system, the basic philosophy, the basic approach to training, the method, uh, with the, with the, to compare it, uh, to see the similarities with the Bruguera method, uh, to me, are, are fascinating, and to try to find the connections. So this is one area where the connection is very, very strong. And for, for Luis Bruguera, he also is similarly obsessed with the line of the shot, which is the same as Tony, exactly the same. They, they are obsessed with the meeting the ball with a good relationship to the body, which is typically out in front and, and at a comfortable height and at a good distance from the body. And then extending out through the, the, the impact and throwing the racket forward and up, you know, lifting and extending uh, through the shot. And they believe that that is extremely important to the control of the shot and the power of the shot. And it's an absolute obsession. I don't mean that, I don't mean to, I'm stressing that because it's a word that Tony uses hundreds and hundreds of times in his online course. And that he, it, it is uh, very similar to the, uh, uh, it's, it's the same concept that Luis Bruguera uses at his academy and all his coaches use, which is called the line. They call it the line, and Tony just calls it the accompaniment. And I'm sort of wondering if, you know, did Tony actually take that from Luis and just rename it? Because it's so similar, it's very striking to me, very salient, that, that he focuses in on, on this aspect of hitting the ball the same way that they do in the Bruguera system. So I'm wondering, Tony's a little younger, uh, Luis started to have a lot of success in the early 90s. And I'm wondering if Tony, what, how much Tony was influenced by Luis. And I, I actually am going to call Luis and ask him because 
I'm curious if maybe Tony came to some of Luis's workshops or if at some point Tony spent time with Luis studying with him, made a visit maybe to Bruguera Academy back in the day or uh, had, somehow had access to some of Luis's philosophy and system because I see so many similarities between the Nadal system and the Bruguera system at the the fundamentals level, the core philosophical level, that I'm 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 wondering if Tony was somehow exposed to that maybe in the early 90s. Bruguera started to have big success in the the 80s and the early 90s. So I, and he was a little older than Tony. So I'm wondering how much of an influence the Bruguera method had on the Nadal method. And I, I'm always looking for more and more interconnections between those two methods. Very interesting. At the same time, there was another successful coach, Pato Alvarez, whom I mentioned, who was more a part of the Sanchez uh, lineage, the, the Sanchez clan. You know, And he, he had a slightly different approach with a, a series of, of drills that were unique to him. And a, a, he, he was very focused on his baskets and, and the drills that he did. They were they are geometrically patterned drills that he linked together and chained. And for Pato Alvarez, he was also older than Tony, and he probably undoubtedly influenced Tony to some extent. But I don't see the same parallels or interconnections between the Nadal approach and the the Sanchez system, which was started by Pato Alvarez. Pato Alvarez initially designed the Sanchez system and then Emilio and, Ser and Sergio Casal, Emilio Sanchez and Sergio Casal took the Pato Alvarez method and sort of made it into their own as the Sanchez Casal, you know, the academy philosophy that they have. But in any event, I don't see as much of an interconnection between that, those two systems as I do with the Nadal system and Bruguera. So just kind of interesting, maybe only for you Spanish nerds out there, Spanish tennis nerds out there, but I, I find it very interesting. I see more and more parallels between Bruguera and Tony than I do between Pato Alvarez and Tony. However, for example, um, a commonality, there are commonalities between all three that are just generically Spanish. And you can even see that in other parts of the country, going down to Alicante and training in Valencia, which tend to have slightly different uh, approaches than, than they do in Catalonia. But in, in general, I would say that you, you do see common themes throughout all three of those lineages, all three of those systems. Uh, for example, a common one is that there's an inner in and out in tennis. So there's a give and a take, and that players shouldn't just park themselves on the baseline. Tony believes that. Luis Bruguera definitely believes that. Pato Alvarez is maybe the greatest proponent of that. He created the X drill, which is the in and out drill, the most famous drill in Spain. And so that is a really common uh, philosophical component of all Spanish systems. And so between those three lineages, the Pato Alvarez lineage, which is the Sanchez Casal approach, uh, and the Bruguera lineage, and the uh, Tony Nadal system or method, uh, between those three, the, the idea of the in and out, the give and take is, is uh, uh, definitely a big similarity uh, and a common theme between all three. So what else does Tony 
what else is Tony obsessed with? So, in the the early in the early system, the early years for him, he he believes in like many Spanish coaches do, training movement and making sure a player is well balanced. I'll be honest with you, I find the method for young children insufficient in terms of the 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 technical approach i find the technical approach to be very old school and classical and that would be another interconnection with the bruguera system i think the bruguera system is also a little bit outdated in terms of the technical approach and what i mean by that is both luis bruguera and tony nadal and also pato alvarez uh, so this is a uh, you could make you could have you have the triad here of of Slightly older coaches, older generation of coaches, even though they're not in the exact same generation. But you see an emphasis on close stance. You see an emphasis on following through classically above the shoulder to the neck. You know, Nadal is obsessed, Tony Nadal is obsessed with following through around the neck. You know, strangling yourself around the neck the way... Old textbooks show follow throughs. You know he's very he's really huge on that follow through to the shoulder above the shoulder around the neck, which I find to be kind of a turn off. I, I think it's it's time to move beyond that. You know, so my uh, it, it's not very modern. He doesn't stress any open stance for the young kids. Everything is everything is uh, mostly grounded, so that the players are on the ground for the young players. I'm talking about young development on, under ten generally. The players uh, need to be grounded, uh, closed stances, typically neutral to closed stances, conservative, very conservative grips. Tony's a big believer in conservative grips because he thinks they'll slip as the player gets older, which is a common phenomenon, to, to be honest. But he's not alone in that, that regard. And he has very, very traditional follow-throughs. You know, up. He wants the players to extend, which he calls accompany the ball. And, and he, so he wants the accompaniment. And he wants to follow through around very high around the, the ear or the neck. He said La Moneca. He talks about the La Moneca all the time. Uh, and so that's a huge thing for him. One thing that Tony's obsessed with with the young ones is the rhythm, El Ritmo, the rhythm of the, of the stroke. And this is fascinating for me because w with Tony, the, the rhythm is not what we typically call rhythm in the U.S. For Tony, the rhythm of the stroke is more the forward swing, actually. The forward swing up until the finish of the shot, that's what he's focusing in on as the rhythm, which I find really interesting. It's an unusual focus for a coach to describe rhythm because for me, my first understanding, and, I, and at first I misinterpreted this when I was... Uh, watching Tony's classes is that the rhythm is not not necessarily the backswing to to forward swing and then finish. It's literally focusing on the impact and what the racket and arm does from the impact up until the end of the stroke. So it's from the accompaniment phase to the follow through. And for Tony, that follow through should be around the neck. It should be high and, and classic which I don't like, but, you know, who am I to argue? He's had many 
many more Grand Slam winners than than I've had. I currently have no Grand Slam winners who I've developed. But hey, I'm still young. I'm. I'm who, who knows? I, I don't know if I'll ever get lucky enough to have a, a Rafael Nadal, but you know, I'm always trying. So he 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 believes in this this rhythm. He's obsessed with the rhythm of of the shot. And so what he calls rhythm, I think that Luis Bruguera would call. I don't think Luis has a name for it, but I think he might be interested and and he would ob- he would observe rhythm very carefully the the it would be important to Luis in the sense that you have to have great balance through the shot and for Tony rhythm and balance are intertwined because if you don't have a good rhythm you you usually don't have a good stability in the shot so Tony is obsessed with the rhythm from the contact point up to the finish and what he's looking for is a good accompaniment which is a good extension through the shot and then a good hold or pause at the end of the stroke. So this is a huge thing in the Tony Nadal method and philosophy. He wants a una, he calls una pausa. He wants a pause at the end of the stroke. And he he equates it to a golf swing or a basketball shot or a soccer kick and he says there are commonalities in all sports and and all all sports require a rhythm when shooting or when hitting or, or, or when performing the skill. And for him, the rhythm for the tennis stroke is critical, absolutely crucial. And he spends a lot of time with the young kids trying to foster that rhythm. What it looks like, and I can't demonstrate it here in my kitchen, but basically it's a deliberate swing. It's a slow, a slower controlled swing. It's a, a rhythmic swing with fluidity and with a, a calmness to it. What Tony says is you, you cannot have abrupt, abruptness in a stroke, especially at the younger years. Remember, this is for the, for the beginning level players. This is for, I, I'm pulling this information from the the course that Tony created for young players, just just learning the game under 10 years old. And some of this information applies to older players as well, but the focus is on, on younger players in, uh, in this sense. And so the, the players have to have this beautiful uh, rhythm. They have to have an accompaniment of the ball and a good pause. And you know you have a good pause at the end if you're stable. So it's a way of measuring stability, and it's a way of not rushing the shot. Tony is obsessed with the players hitting the ball slowly with control. And that is a, that is everywhere in Spain, not just in the Tony Nadal way, it is in the Bruguera method. It's in the Pato Alvarez system. It's in it's everywhere that you must have good control. You must have good control of your body, su cuerpo. You must have good control of your balance. You must have good control of your technique. Everything needs to be in control. And so for Tony, if there's if there's abruptness, if there's sharpness, if there's an edge to the swing. And I mean in terms of the mechanics now. If, if there's any sort of rashness of movement, anything, anything too abrupt and sharp, then 
the the stroke won't be develop won't be developing properly. And so he wants rhythm, he wants uh, fluidity, he wants good balance, and ultimately very good control of the racket and the the swing mechanics. And I would say that that is a very common theme all across Spain. They spend a lot of time on the rhythm and they, some some other systems don't call it rhythm, but it's basically the control of the swing and control of the body. And you, you can't have any of that if you don't have balance, right? So in Tony's approach, the the footwork is paramount. The footwork is a huge priority. And that is also a very common thing among all systems in Spain. The the emphasis on the the piernas and los pies, the, the feet and the legs, and and the work of the legs, the work of the legs to get the the body into position to hit a shot with balance and rhythm and control. The control happens when you have good footwork. So Tony's obsessed with that with young kids, right? But the way he does it, some of the drills that he uses at the, the lower level, I'm not that impressed with, to be honest. They're I think that I've seen better systems for, for I think the Bruguera system is much better in terms of the drills, the specific drills that, that they use in the Bruguera method for young kids. I, I think it's, it's um, more simple, even more simple than, than Tony's, but Tony believes in simplicity. But the, the, the drills that he chose as standard fundamental drills for U10 players, I think... For, uh, could be better. This one drill that he does that's like a, a box or a rectangle and the player is running uh, basically to different corners of of, the, of a, let's say a square or a rectangle and just the, the movement skill is for me not very realistic and it could have could have been a better choice. For, I think the, the system of the Sanchez system some of the drills that they use, the fundamental drills like the X drill for example is a much better basic drill for young kids than than the drills that Tony chose for young children. I think the Bruguera method has better, simpler drills. The Bruguera method also uses the X drill uh, and the inverse V and the forward V. Those, I think, are a better choice for young children in terms of their footwork pattern development than the ones that Tony chose. This is my opinion, obviously. Uh, Tony chose to introduce young children by moving forward so the players move forward to seek the ball. That's something that Tony believes in wholeheartedly, that you have to seek the ball and move forward. He said that he did that from the youngest age with Raphael, that when Raphael was little, he would toss the ball in front of him, and and Raphael would have to seek the ball by going forward. So Tony says that is very important for young kids. Compare that to some uh, some other spanish methods where you you're working more of the v early on or you're working the x pattern early on and i think that footwork pattern is i think it's actually a better footwork pattern for young kids to learn than just going forward only and the the box drill that that tony sh- shows it's a big part of his system it's a little hard to explain just uh, over over the the video here or or on a podcast format uh, but but basically he sets up four cones and the player has to move in a rectangle or box, side shuffle, back pedal, side shuffle again, 
and then forward to hit a ball. And I just think that the drill is not that impressive. And he, it, it's the, one of the core drills of his U10 system, uh, beginning system. So I just from my personal coach's eye, I, I, I wasn't that impressed with that exercise. And unfortunately, some of the, the little boys, he has these little boys that he works with online in the online course. And their footwork is a little sloppy, in my opinion. It could be a lot better. I, I wish he had been more disciplined with them. I don't know if they were difficult to film. Some, you know, I've done a lot of filming myself, and sometimes the students are not that cooperative or you know there's a lot of some things can can show up in the video that that aren't as impressive as they, they could be some things can happen in production that are not that don't uh, show your exercises the way you'd like and 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 sometimes the, the the video just doesn't come out quite the way you want it and you don't have time to reshoot it and you know there are lots of things that happen when you're producing video uh, for a digital um, content that uh, sometimes you lose a little bit of control in production or post-production and and you know I don't know what to say in my opinion as a junior developer a lot of the the footwork exercises that Tony was showing and doing were a little bit sloppy a little messy and that's not to say I don't think the philosophy is wrong the philosophy is is solid Spanish philosophy of, of focusing on the feet focusing on the movement Focusing on getting in position with balance, but just the way the little kids that he chose, the way they demonstrated it wasn't that great. And to be honest, I felt like he could have been more on top of that, like more on top of the uh, the kids to because this is a an example where he he wants to to show his system, his method in the best light. And for whatever reason, I don't think some of those young students, the, some of the videos didn't come out that great in terms of. Uh, the, the footwork skill that they were demonstrating. So anyway, I have you know little criticisms here and there. Overall, I would say the the courses are the philosophy is amazing. Some of the the some of the way the course is presented, maybe I can I can quibble with and and find some fault in. But you know, try try to try to put in perspective. What I'm saying is you have an amazing philosophy here, uh, an amazing method overall. Uh, and I, 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 I'm in, of course, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you guys my honest thoughts. That's what the show is all about. I try to give you guys the honest, straight dope. And in this case, you know, that's something I was kind of horrified at, at some of the sloppy footwork that I saw in some of the young kids that Tony was coaching. Maybe from his perspective, he felt, hey, they're young. They're probably six, seven years old, and and this is uh, just the beginning class. So we're gonna try to upgrade their footwork skills later but it was a little bit shocking to me to see that and sometimes with the balance too you know Tony talked a lot about balance but with many of the young kids uh, in the videos the balance demonstrated wasn't that great you know like I said sometimes it just doesn't uh, come through the, the way you'd want or sometimes you don't get a chance to reshoot it and sometimes you have players who are not cooperative I know all about this from shooting my own online uh, videos and, and programs and classes and things like that. So what else typifies the Nadal basic system? We talked about, you know, the footwork focus, the accompaniment. Accompaniment's huge. The rhythm is huge. You know, everything for Tony is about that, you know. What is it not about? Like he doesn't get he doesn't get too much into the weeds, you know, too much into the details, you know. 
doesn't go after backswings. Very typical in Spain not to go after technical corrections for backswings. They just don't focus too much on that. They never talk about that. Tony never talked about it. Not once. Didn't talk about the ATP backswing or more compact backswing or things like that. I think throughout his any all of the courses, hours and hours, dozens of hours of videos, never mentioned the backswing. You know, keep it a little more. Maybe on return or serve, he talked about being a little more compact. But you you never see you very rarely see Spanish coaches adjusting the backswing. They don't even look at it. They they all seem to have this focus on the contact and the extension and. I really think it derives, I think the origin is from Bruguera and the Bruguera method. You know, Luis was so instrumental to changing the coaching paradigm in, in Spain. Back in the 80s, there was a major drought in Spain in terms of there were no Grand Slam winners on the men's side since 1975. And Luis came along and revolutionized the the teaching methodology in Spain in the 80s. And his son, Sergi, won the first Grand Slam in 18 years. I believe it's an 18-year drought in 1993. So you, you sort of have to understand the timeline here. And Luis is an incredibly charismatic figure. He's a lot like Tony. Tony is a slightly younger generation. So my take is that most of the coaches in Spain have uh, have been have been influenced to a greater or lesser degree by Luis and, and the Bruguera method. And this is a, an example of the, of the Bruguera approach, which is also the approach for Tony. It's where you zone in and you hyper-focus on the impact. You hyper-focus on the impact, the contact point, the extension through the contact point, and, and stability through the finish. That is very common in, in all, many, many academies and across Spain with different coaches from different lineages. And I think, I think a lot of it comes from Luis Bruguera, if I had to try to find the source of that. And so Tony continues that. He puts his own spin on it, puts his own, you know, he has his own names for things like accompaniment and the pause at the end. But, but essentially it's the idea of, uh, and, and, many, and so many Spanish coaches are, are obsessed with, with the impact and how the body is arranged or organized to make a good impact. And that is a big part of the Spanish approach everywhere, not just in the Nadal system, but in the, uh, the other systems that I mentioned and all across the country. But I, I think it goes back, if, if I have to try to, try to pinpoint it, I, I really think it goes back to Luis and his work in the 80s and because that is a, a primary focus of, of his method, and he predates Tony. You know, Tony probably had a young in the 80s. Gosh, I have to, I think Nadal was born in the early 80s. So, you know, Nadal was just a kid coming up who Tony was working with when Bruguer was having so much success on the world scene. And I think there's just, it's, un, it's, it's, impos it's in, impossible that Tony was not heavily influenced by Bruguer's success in the 80s, because it was a really big deal in Spain when Bruguera started, uh, when Sergio Bruguera started, he won the, the Spanish championships and he, he became a Grand Slam winner in the early 90s. It, it was just an incredible story in Spain. It's impossible that, that someone like Tony, who is always very curious and learn, trying to learn from other coaches, it's impossible that he didn't 
he wasn't curious about what Bruguera was doing with Sergi and that he didn't want to take some of that information and weave it into his training with, with Rafael. I just find that, that that's an impossibility, that there was no crossover there. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm surmising here. I am, I am, I am speculating, but, but I just, I just have, I have a hard time believing that there was no crossover from the Bruguera success, the method that he used in the 80s, and that none of that influenced Tony and in the development of the Nadal method. So my good friend Gordon Paul has a question. I see some of you guys have been hanging in here as I rap about Tony and the Spanish approach. I'm glad some of you find this interesting. I wonder how many people bought these courses? How many people are really interested in Tony's stories and his experiences and his his approach? I'm curious how... I know he's very... He's a very famous coach. Is he one of the most famous coaches in the world? Probably, right? I wonder how many people bought the course. I wonder how many people believe Tony is as great a coach as I think he is. You know, sometimes people make the argument that, well, he never coached anyone else. And that is a good point. He he never, he has this wealth of experience with with Rafa, and Gordon, I'll get to your question in just one moment. But, you know, he spent all of that time with one player. And that does limit your, your experience in, in some respects. Because, you, because I always try to study with coaches who've had success across more than one, one player, with more than one player. And it's sometimes a red flag for me when I see that a coach has only had success with one player. But... So that is on the one hand. On the other hand, you say, well, he had this amazing run or experience with the greatest player, one of the greatest athletes of all time, one of the greatest players of all time. I won't say the greatest, but I, I think fairly we can say that he's one of the greatest of all time. And, you know, that is something very special that I want to learn. I want to learn everything he learned. If I could... I sometimes I dream of 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 just being with Tony in in those imagine those early days imagine those early years when Rafa was 7 or 8 or 9 and the excitement that he must have had when he saw that his nephew had some ability you know maybe could be a great player and that he had his you know Rafa was always very focused and he was coachable and he had tremendous speed and athletic ability. It, it must have been very excited to see the development year over year and to, and to watch him grow. And I would just would have loved to have been there with Tony as, as a fly on the wall or, you know, um, you know, as an observer during those years. And I think the closest you can get to that are these courses or getting out to the academy itself and spending time with him. But I don't think you're going to get nearly the access in person as you'll get through the online classes because Tony is uh, relatively secretive. He's guarded and he, he doesn't give up his time easily. I managed to snag a, a day with him a couple of years back when I was writing an article, but that, that was not easy and it's hard to get access to Tony at all in, in person. So I just think the, 
uh, these stories that he shares, the experiences that he shares, the anecdotes, the the wisdom is very rare wisdom, very rare knowledge that you just can't find anywhere else. So I think there's a lot of value in the stories that he tells and, and you can only get access to those through the online uh, through the online classes at the moment. There is an option to go and, and, and follow up study at the academy, but again, even then it's it's hard to get time with Tony. He's a tough guy to to grab and, and pin down. And even then for someone like me, my Spanish is not very good. I don't think I could get into the depth of conversation with Tony or understand him as he's coaching on the court in person as I can with these classes. As I mentioned, one of the thing that's the thing that's really amazing about the courses is that they're all translated. They're not just translated into English. They're, they have a multiple translations into German, into French, I believe. There's, there's several other translations, so it's just an amazing project. Just imagine the project. Uh, first, you have to go and get all these, all this video professionally filmed, and then you have to have it all translated from Spanish. It's, it's just a tremendous body of work, that, that uh, time and energy that the production company put in and also that Tony put in on, on his end. Pretty incredible. Okay, get, let me get back to your question, Gordon. Gordon says... Uh, but I focus on the backswing. Yeah, I, I do because I believe in training the backswing because I, I believe that when you ignore the backswing, it can create limitations in your game in the future. So, you know, I've studied with other great coaches. I've studied with Macy a lot. I, I, I follow Macy a lot. And, and you know that, that he's a big believer in the compact backswing. And I am a big believer in that as well. So I... I you know, I'm willing to step away from the Spanish approach when I think that it's warranted. And in this case, I think that's something that in Spain they could do better. They could focus a little more on cleaning up, polishing the backswings of their players. Because ultimately, if you have too loopy a backswing, it's going to limit your, it's going to affect your court position. Usually, usually players with bigger backswings have to give up more ground, and they can't play as much on the rise or they can't hold court position as well I'm generalizing but typically that's the case and that has been uh, a limitation for some Spanish players also with the grips in Spain well now you see a bifurcation because you see there are certainly some modern Spanish coaches who want clean clean grips and they don't want to be limited with the with extreme grips they don't want to be limited on fast service uh, you know they don't want to disadvantage on fast services so you see some younger generation spanish coaches who are big believers in clean clean grips and that's another technical example of where they could uh, you know many in spain could improve because there's still many spanish coaches uh, traditional, let's say, I don't know what to call them, traditional Spanish coaches, maybe older guard, older generation, who really don't care, don't even, don't even look at the grip. You know, like whatever it is, what it is. It's Western, Hawaiian, it's uh, East. You know, they, they don't even look at it that much. It could be anything, extreme, semi-Western. And so I think if you have a system that ignores grips and ignores backswings, Inevitably, you're going to end up with some players who have some limitations on fast courts, and there are there are now smart 
Spanish coaches in the younger guard, sort of younger generation, or maybe they're just a little more cutting edge who are trying to build players that are, are more clean with the back swings and more clean with the grips. You see examples of, like that with Roberto Bautista Agut and some of the other, uh, you know, some of the other top Spanish players now who are coming up. Carreño Busta comes to mind, for example. There are, there are a lot of guys down in Alicante and the Valencia area with a little bit cleaner grips. And I think it just depends on the Spanish coach. It's it's not just the region; it's the coach, the coach philosophy, the development coach philosophy. So uh, another example of that was Juan Carlos Ferrero, and I think the Ferrero shop uh, at Equilite, the Equilite uh, Ferrero Academy in Vienna, which is basically close to Alicante, which is south of Barcelona about five hours south of Barcelona. And that region, the Valencia region down there, so this is outside of Catalonia, that, that area, you know, it may come from, from Juan Carlos's uh, coach. I, I, I think it, it may. I haven't had a chance to study with him closely, but I think it started in that, in that region, especially with the model of Juan Carlos, who was very clean with his technique and was able to play very well on fast courts and had compact backswings and was able to hold position better than some of the other Spanish players, especially Spanish players from the Bruguera model. So Bruguera is a method that doesn't really limit grips or backswings, things like that. Again, the obsession is with the impact. The, the obsession is with the, the body's position at impact and also accelerating through that impact. The Bruguera system is obsessed with acceleration, which is something that Tony is not obsessed with. So there's a difference, by the way. The, the Nadal system is emphasize, emphasizes uh, fluidity, and, 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 and you know, I may, maybe that's I, I, not a fair characterization. And definitely in the younger years, fluidity and, and, and slower swing. But it, it's true that Tony says... Uh, how hard you hit the ball is a is determinant. So, in the end, Tony knows that the acceleration is huge. So I, I don't even know if I could say that, but definitely in the younger years, Tony doesn't stress acceleration that much. And acceleration and racket speed is a, a big part of the Bruguera model. But I think with the young kids at Bruguera, they also don't they don't overload the kids too much with acceleration. They they focus on that when the kids get older into their teenage years. So uh, Gordon had a follow-up. I'll try to get to that. Gordon says, uh, if Tony isn't going to focus on the backswing, that would mean another coach will have to do the job down the line. So Tony is interesting because he, he kind of has a middle, he has a very eclectic philosophy. He, you can see that, and I think it, it makes sense because he's, he has a high intelligence and he's known for always being curious and learning from from different coaches and and in this in this he has a he has a basic, basically a growth mindset he he's he's a constantly he's constantly learning and trying to improve which is another sign of a great coach i think and for tony you can see that he's pulled from a number of disparate uh, systems and and from different he's learned from different coaches over the years especially traveling on tour and so he has a, a definitely parts of his system are are cutting edge, 
and more modern, I would say. And then there are other parts that are that sort of reveal. I don't mean to say this in a, in a pejorative way, but that sort of reveal that this is a guy who never played top level himself and essentially was a club coach for for whatever many however many years in in basically a local club coach in Spain and sort of lucked out that he was gifted the greatest athlete one of the greatest athletes of all time <laughs> you know you sort of see a little bit of that in some in some parts of his system and then in other parts of the system that are really strong you see the coach the legend the guy who has been on tour 20 some years with the greatest one of the greatest players of all time and who's learned so much from those experiences so that's how i that's take it for what you want guys that's how i interpreted what uh, watching tony on court working with various levels of players and i just sometimes i think the the local club coach came through like when he's trying to teach the serve for example just not impressed at all you know the the things that tony says to young kids or even intermediate kids when they're working on the serve i'm sorry just you can see that he's not that comfortable teaching the serve you know tony at all one of the greatest coaches of all time he just he doesn't look comfortable teaching the serve he gives very little feedback to the players and he gives very little instruction uh, and especially i would say salient instruction memorable instruction what he does say is what the average the average coach at your local park would know and it just i think very just reveals a, a lack of 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 sophistication regarding the serve from his uh in his in his coaching and so that that is my critique of that and on the other hand you see that he's extremely strong in tactics extremely strong in in the mental side and character development extremely strong when working with higher level players uh different exercises creative exercises and tactical games I'm very very impressed with his knowledge and the depth of of uh the, the sophistication with 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 which he approaches uh, uh working with advanced players especially in tactical games and and uh, live ball exercises things like that not very impressed with uh Tony working on you know a, a 10 year old or an 8 year old serve or or an intermediate's I want to say even even the the ground stroke and the even the technical work with the ground strokes and the volleys for 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 beginners and intermediates was pretty basic you know it's it's definitely doesn't look like his wheelhouse and i think it makes sense because here's a guy who's focused most of his life doing what he's been working with a professional player he he went through it with one player with rafa when he was young so on 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 that side of the coin it's it's, it's amazing it was it must have it's incredible uh uh unique journey it's a u- incredible unique journey but on the other hand it was only one kid you were working with so you didn't get to 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 build hundreds and hundreds of serves with a young kid or you didn't get with young children you you didn't get to build uh 
uh, hundreds and hundreds of ground stroke games with different players, different different genders. Let's put it that way. Tony does not. I, I would. I would. In my again, in my opinion, I don't think he looks that comfortable working with with girls. Like you know, he he spent his formative years with with one guy. You know, so you know he doesn't look quite as as comfortable with with female players and with younger players. And on the technical side, I think he reveals a lack of uh, of sophistication and and uh, experience, perhaps uh, training that cohort. But at the same time, you can see that he has this amazing repository of knowledge and uh, this um, this amazing skill uh, that he's developed working with more advanced players especially male players so that's sort of my take on it and you guys can watch the courses and classes for yourself and make your own determination but if you want to you know go by my through my eyes kind of see through my eyes and my my and use my intelligence to try to discern what 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 are the strengths and weaknesses that that's sort of what I saw in in his coaching, and I still think he, you, know, you can still be a legend and not be great at everything. And I think most of the greatest coaches of all time, they have strengths and weaknesses. They have some things that they do really well, and some things that they 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 don't have as much experience in. So, for example, I'm very confident that I can teach a better serve than Tony Nadal can teach to a, a young child. I, I've been. Focusing on uh, serve technique, I've been studying biomechanics for years. I've been working with literally hundreds and hundreds of of kids, different cohorts, different different groups of kids, girls, boys, uh, from five to twelve years old. I've been doing that for the last decade. I would stack my my experience up against almost anyone, uh, probably in the world, building the serve, for example. And you can just see that that Tony doesn't have a lot of insight there. And to be honest, I've said this about most Spanish coaches. I don't know what, what the deal is over there, but it, I mean, I have, I have a, have some theory about it, but, but I've, I've, I've mentioned this on many previous shows that they just don't do a great job teaching the serve in general in Spain. That goes across all the lineages in Spain and all academies and all regions of Spain that just, I theorize that it's it's just the history of the, of the clay court game there, where the serve traditionally was just to start the point, and that that still sort of lingers in Spain. It's, it's starting to change a little bit, but you just see so many coaches there who lack a sophistication, an understanding of the biomechanics of the serve, and who are who are teaching the serve well. So many coaches is just the serve is neglected by them. Uh, or it's just not understood very well biomechanically, and I just think you see this uh, very similar, very similar phenomenon in the Tony Nadal system. What can I say? And in that method, it, it, the, the serve is, you know, is is not a strength. Let's you know to put it mildly. And another thing that's kind of interesting about the serve development with Tony is he strongly believes that serving too much can hurt your shoulder. So he's very conservative about how many serves you should do in a row. Uh, for example, he recommends 20 serves only in a row at any one time. And that if you're going to serve more than that, he, he strongly advises that you take breaks. So if that's true, and 
he really adheres to that number, I, I think that alone would probably stunt the serve development of just about any athlete, unless they're extremely uh, extremely special uh, talent with uh, the overhead movement. You can see, for example, with Rafa, that he always struggled with his serve. Part of it, possibly, because Tony chose to train him lefty. He, he's a right-handed player. He's a right-handed athlete. His, he's right-hand dominant, and Tony chose to switch him to uh, left-handed serving and left-handed playing when I don't know the exact age, but Rafa used to play with two hands on both sides until uh, you know, a, a certain age, under 10, I don't know the exact age. And then Tony chose to, to switch him to a lefty. He thought that would be an advantage, and I think time has shown that there, it is a big advantage. It has been a big advantage for, for Rafa, but you could also argue that maybe the serve, uh, he struggled to learn the serve, the overhand movement on that uh, by switching to the left-handed side. Uh, when he was a natural righty, maybe he would have had a better right-handed serve. We don't know. But um, regardless, nevertheless, you know, Tony's philosophy of only doing 20 serves at a time because uh, doing more may cause injury, that, that I think would, would really hinder the development of a good serve for, for most athletes because sometimes, I'm not saying you should go out and do 200 uh, in a bucket without rest, you should definitely be careful. He's absolutely right that you should be careful in the quantity of that, that, you, that you serve. But at the same time, if, if you have a very strict quota of serves and you're not flexible about letting a kid, you know, get into the zone and work through some issues and do more than 20 at a time, I, I think that could definitely contribute to uh, difficulty mastering the serve. And you see a lot of Spanish players who have who struggle with the serve. They don't have a great serve. Part of it is philosophically in the country where they, they typically have, or historically have seen the serve as just a way to start the point and just kind of spin it in and get it going. And uh, part of it may stem from, from the philosophy that Tony espouses where he says that you really shouldn't serve that much because it's a risk. It's an injury risk. You know, that is a very healthy philosophy, but it could also be a very dangerous philosophy because if you really believe that and you, and you limit the serving of your players too much, it could have a negative effect on the serve, overall serve development over time because your players are just not, not actually doing that throwing motion that much. And as you know, or, or most of you probably know, in Spain, they, they don't do a lot, any throwing sports. They play a lot of soccer with their feet. So imagine... You have a lot of young kids playing soccer all the time, and then on the tennis court, the coaches strongly believe in limiting the amount of serves that you should be doing, just as, as, a, as a safeguard. They're, they're trying to prevent injury, but, but it could, could have a deleterious effect on, on serve mastery for, for countless numbers of kids in Spain. So it's a double-sided sword, right? You, you definitely want to be careful with the quantity that you serve, but at the same time, you don't want to limit serving too much because you want your kids to have a big weapon, develop a big serve that's, that is uh, critical uh, on the pro tour these days. So anyway, just kind of interesting talking about the serve and Tony. He's very strict. He's adamant about that. He's adamant that players should be very cautious with how many uh, balls they hit at one, at one time. 
So, you know, I'd like to just talk briefly about Tony's model of character development and then answer the mailbox. And it's getting late, guys. I think I should try to wrap up after that. But so the, the care, the, you know, there's so much to talk about within the Tony Nadal approach. And I mean, we'll, we'll prob- I, I will promise you a few more podcasts and shows on this because I do want to talk about intermediate course more and especially Tony's advanced course, which I think is really good has a lot of great games and tactical exercises. And I want to, uh, I definitely want to do a show on more on the wisdom and the, the character development aspect. I mentioned that in, the, in episode 28, the last show. I think it was the last show I talked about how I'd like to maybe just dedicate an entire show to character development. But I, I think I want to save that for later in, uh, sometime in 2020. But let's talk a little bit about character development. For Tony, I think this is his greatest genius, character development. Maybe second, uh, maybe close behind for him would be his, his brilliance in tactical, his tactical approach. And because I mentioned I'm, I'm not too impressed with his, his technical, his technical uh, ability, but, you know, that doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't mean he's not a great. You know, I I would say the same thing about Nick Bolateri. Nick Bolateri is a tremendous tremendous tennis coach, and I I wouldn't I definitely would not bring my young kid to Nick to learn strokes. You know, he's just not a nuts and bolts kind of coach. He's not a junior technique developer. He's very good at motivation, very good at tactics, and I think that that Tony is along those lines similarly gifted in those respects but for tony he has this very unique take on character development so the primary thrust is that the character that you develop the values that you hold they're not just for being a better person or being being or building you know contributing better to society they're actually going to make you a more successful athlete and that is a uh, major point of his, big part of his philosophy, a very important part of his method is that you, you need to teach children character. You need to be demanding of them. Need to, uh, they need to be well-behaved. He's a big believer that children need to be well-behaved. And it sounds a little bit old-fashioned the way he, he says it, but, you know, his, his point is that being well-behaved will contribute to your success on the tennis court and also in life. His argument is that you will have a better chance of success in tennis if you're well-behaved. That's his essential argument, which you don't hear very often. I've actually never heard that argument before. And it's striking. It, it, it I could debate it both ways because... And Tony admits this, that there have been players historically over time who were not very well behaved and they were successful. But what Tony says, and Tony admits this, he says it's true. It's true that there are examples of successful champions who are not well behaved, who don't have a great character. But he says they're more rare than, than they're more, they're less common than the ones who have good, good behavior the champions who have good character, and also that the road that they made for themselves was much harder because of their lack of character development. 
and Tony adamant, adamantly, sincerely believes this. He's very passionate about how the, that character will help you be a greater success, not just in life, but especially in tennis. And so he goes on to say as a corollary, or, or to prove his point, he says that, for example, who does a coach want to work with more? A player who is well-behaved or a player who is not? A player who is respectful or a player who is disrespectful? A player who who is, is rude, a player who is difficult. He says that it's natural that coaches will want to help the, the well-behaved player more than coaches, than coaches would want to help a player who is a problem and who doesn't have good, good values, doesn't have good behavior. So that's one of his primary arguments to support his thesis. He says that... that the behavior, the, the behavior is, is, is really determinant on your success. In, in most cases, he, he, he admits that there are exceptions. He admits that there are exceptions. And probably if you try to say this to your, your students, I've talked to my students about it. I've talked about it in my academy. In my summer camp, for example, we have uh, some character development sessions. And we talk about, this is one of the philosophies that I talked about. And some kids will raise their hand and say, well, you know, what about... Curios. What about McEnroe? What about Connors? Players who maybe uh, are, you know, or whoever, whoever the example, or from any sport. You can think of any. You can think of from all sports. There are champions who are very well behaved, and there are champions who are, let's say, they're a little more naughty, and they they make some bad choices, you know, and. I think you have to admit that, yes, you can be a champion with bad behavior, but the key is it's going to be a harder road. You make the road harder for yourself. Uh, also, also very important, Tony says, and he argues that players who are not in control of their emotions, players who are not in control of themselves, they're not in control of their choices, players who have out, a lot of big outbursts, basically players who are not well behaved, it's going to be a less efficient road to the top. Because if you're not well behaved, you're going to get distracted. You may be a distraction for others in your, in your group or academy. You, you're, going to be a, a distract, you're going to get distracted because you lose control of your emotions. And you're not going to be able to focus as better. You're not going to be as good a learner. So that's really critical for... For as part of the Nadal philosophy of character building, he says that you know learning is the most important talent. He talks about that a lot. Tony talks about how how learning, your ability to learn. I think he says to aprender. I think that's the word in Spanish. Your ability to learn is determinant. That to be the most success you can be, you have to be a good learner, and you have to work on that. It's like a skill that you have to hone and develop. And he says that one of the, this is huge for him, one of the, the biggest reasons why kids don't learn well is because they're poorly behaved. For example, you take a lesson, you have, you have a kid in the lesson, and the kid is, is a, a madman, the kid's a maniac, right? The kid is a very difficult, having outbursts all the time. And if, if a kid is like that, they're, they're not learning, you know? If a kid has a terrible temper, 
if a kid is not uh, is not able to stay in control of their of their faculties, even they they they're not going to learn efficiently. They're gonna they're gonna put a, a roadblock in front of their their the path to to progress and to their to their improvement, right? So that is a, a huge part of his system. He believes that all the players, and this is a big part of the Nadal Academy, by the way, they are very big on character development, and they're very big on the behavior of the players there. In fact, I think it's a great strength of their academy, because it comes straight from Tony, and Tony, it's part of his ethos, it's part of his core, that you have to be well-behaved, you have to have good character to give yourself the best chance to succeed in tennis, and he forget about life, he's not... He says life, yes, but, but he's talking about in your sport or in your career even. Um, and for, mo- for, for athletes who are trying to go pro, their sport is their, it is their life. It is their career. He's saying that coaches will want to help you more if you're well-behaved and that you will be a better learner if you're well-behaved. You, you will get better help from all the people on the journey that you meet and you will be able to learn and pick up skills faster and progress faster uh, in the same uh, by, uh, by being well, well behaved. And he says it's not impossible to be a, a champion if you're a lunatic, because there are examples of that. And in life, too, you can probably think of some people right now who are very successful, who are, are maybe not the best at controlling their emotions or their, their, their feelings and maybe have very poor behavior at times. There are a lot of examples of that in the world. But what he's saying is there are a lot more examples. It's much more common that people who are well-behaved, people who are respectful, people who have good values, that those people rise to the top because they learn better and more people are likely to help them along the way. So that's sort of a little summary of the Tony Nadal character building philosophy. I'd uh, love to get into it a little more in a future podcast and show, but I find it uh, a good argument. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's the best argument that I've seen for, for kids to be, to be well-behaved. It's a very good argument to teach values. A lot of times those are separate from the tennis development. You see that Coaches and parents will will some some sometimes put those as separate virtues. Okay, we're going to work on tennis, but maybe I don't want the tennis coach to to spend time on the character development side, and maybe leave that to the parents. Or you know, they're sometimes seen as separate tracks. And what Tony's saying is he doesn't believe that at all. He believes that that's a myth and it's false to put character development and tennis development on separate tracks. In his opinion, in his sincere belief, it's his sincere belief that that they are intricately interwoven, that character development and your success as an athlete are, are vitally connected. We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. 
If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash chrislewitt, and the show can be watched live on Facebook. Just search Chris Lewitt on Facebook to join the show. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Vamos.